Story Plant Media presents Tawny O'Dell's Rewrites. Episode 5. Your show had a message? I've always been amazed at how something can be so important to one person, so important that you can't imagine living without it, and yet it can mean absolutely nothing to another person. I know Clive feels like he's talking to a three-headed alien whenever he runs across someone who's never heard of Miles Davis, or Chet Baker, or uh, even Dizzy Gillespie. And I know my cousins on my mom's side from South Carolina, they feel the same way about Milo and me when they talk about NASCAR. It's how I feel when someone proclaims, I don't read. Although, unlike a lack of knowledge about jazz trumpet or car racing, People seem to feel guilty about not reading books because they always offer an excuse, and it's always the same one. I'm too busy. <laughs> but you never hear anyone say, well, I was too busy to sit on the couch and binge watch Breaking Bad for 10 hours. Or I was too busy to spend five hours yesterday on social media. Is modern technology to blame, then? Has Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and endlessly streaming video on our computers made people stupider? I don't know. In 1858, tens of thousands of people showed up to hear the excruciatingly literate three-hour-long senatorial debates between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas. But... Was that because they were smarter than people are now, or simply because it was a diversion from the severely limited leisure time activities of the day? If people had cell phones back then, I, I'm sure most of them would have been tweeting things like, uh, Bored out of my skull, Lincoln's still harping on illegality of slavery in the territories. KMN. Hashtag Dred Scott decision. A few weeks had passed since my blow-up with the judges. Rewrites was doing surprisingly well. Actually, he was doing remarkably well. It was a total hit. Our producer from L.A., the man himself, called me personally and asked me to have dinner with him the next time he was in New York. Well, actually, he, he didn't ask. He told me I was having dinner with him, and he provided the where and the when. Carmine's. It's an Italian restaurant on 44th, known for its enormously large family-style portions and raucous atmosphere. It was the total antithesis of the restaurant where I'd first met him in L.A., but apparently it was a tradition for him. Hello, kid. Have a seat. My name is Theo. I know. Like the first line in that book you like so much. What? I'm sorry, I don't understand. What are you talking about? The book about the fish. You mean the whale, Moby Dick? Yes. Moby Dick opens with the line, call me Ishmael. Same thing. No, same thing as my name is Theo? No, those are not the same things. One is a statement of fact. The other is an invitation to begin an acquaintanceship. And the names are different. Believe me, there wasn't a Theo anywhere near Ahab's ship. So it was a biblical picture. Moby Dick? What? No. Then what was Ahab's ship doing in it? Are you confusing Ahab's ship with Noah's Ark? Noah's Ark was in a movie? Well, Noah's Ark has been the subject of many movies and TV shows. Off the top of my head, I can think of Noah a few years ago with Russell Crowe, or Evan Almighty with Steve Carell, 
And there was a miniseries in the 90s that starred John Voight and F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham was in that other biblical movie, too. The closest F. Murray Abraham came to being in a movie with a religious theme was The Name of the Rose, and that was about a murder among Franciscan monks in a medieval abbey. Not that one, the other one, Amadeus. Amadeus had nothing to do with the Bible. The people wore wigs. <laughs> people didn't wear wigs during biblical times. The average viewer thinks they did. Do you really think that the average viewer is that stupid? I count on it. What book do you have with you this time? Oh, don't tell me you're reading Walden. Oh, here, read the menu instead. It's a lot less boring and takes you on more of a voyage of spiritual discovery than Thoreau ever did. The pasta section alone has 30 entrees. You're familiar with Thoreau? I already ordered. I have another meeting after this. You have a lot of meetings. That's what I do. Can I... can I ask you something? I'm staying through the tiramisu. How do you deal with the pressure of being responsible for so many people's lives? Kid, I acquire content for television and VOD markets. I'm not the Pope. No, what I mean is all these people you're always meeting with and all the people who work on these shows, you, you make decisions that impact their lives. It's a huge responsibility. Here's a little lesson I learned a long time ago, and I'm going to share it with you only because your show's doing well. That's, that's kind of harsh. I never waste time on a loser. Well, I appreciate you don't think I'm a loser, but I still No, 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 think... you don't understand. That's the lesson. I don't understand what never waste time on a loser has to do with the responsibility of impacting people's lives. I'm not responsible for anybody else's life, and neither are you. I give people opportunities, and that's what you're doing with your show. What people do with those opportunities is entirely up to them. The opportunities are precious. Don't waste them on losers. That's still, that sounds so harsh to me. I don't like to think that anyone is a loser. And how can you tell? Besides the obvious, like someone who commits a murder or something. Winners do, losers talk. Well, I talk a lot. Well, talking is a kind of doing for you. By your way of thinking, wouldn't a murderer be a winner because he did something? He killed someone? He didn't just talk about it? Among people who want to kill someone but haven't done it, he would be a winner. I see. So right now, with rewrites doing well, I'm a winner among people who want to make TV shows... But I'm not a winner in my eyes because I wanted to get across an important message and it it just seems like the show is only being appreciated as idiotic reality TV. Your show had a message? Yes, of course. Remember, it's a show about writers and books. The message is people need to read more. And I'm not just talking about reading novels for pleasure. It's the ability to read is linked to our ability to process, analyze, and uh, comprehend information, otherwise known as thinking. We as a species, we seem to have decided we don't want to think anymore. We simply want to be visually stimulated. We're, we're evolving backward. We're devolving. Sending an emoji now is a modern-day equivalent of a caveman's grunt. Have a drink, kid. It's just like a congratulatory gesture as in, here, have a drink, I embrace your message. Don't just have a drink. What I took away from your message when I wasn't dozing off is that you think thinking is important, but do you believe thinking more makes people happier? Not necessarily. Then why would they want to do it? Well, there's more to life than being happy. Now, there is an attitude that's going to sell a lot of Subarus and iPhones. 
I just mean no one can be happy all the time. It's, it's unrealistic, yet we spend so much of our energy trying to be happy. I found one of the things that makes me happiest is when I stop trying to be happy. Then I'm about to make you unhappy. Or happy. I don't know which. I'm commissioning another season of rewrites from you with an option for a third. We have advertisers lined up. You'll have a nice big budget, no cutting corners this time, no monkeys to pay back. I don't know what to say. There's only one thing to say. I'll deliver another season. I'm not sure I want to do that. Are you the same kid I met months ago who argued so passionately for his show and didn't back down no matter what I threw at him? Yes. I... It's just that... I started this without having any idea how hard it was going to be. And not just the logistics and conquering crises and dealing with the day-to-day minutia of producing a TV show, but also how hard it is to keep any kind of integrity when you have to constantly compromise. <laughs> That's called life. I'll have to think about the offer. That's not an offer. You're contractually obligated. What? Did you read the contract? That sounds like a prison sentence. You and the murderer. Both winners and both in prison. Hey, maybe you could write a book about it. Like the Birdman of Alcatraz. Prison memoirs are always popular. The Birdman of Alcatraz was a book? Yes, it was. Look at the menu, kid. That's a very different meal than the breakfast you were eating last time I saw you. I try to eat healthy in L.A. When I'm in New York, I like to indulge in something I probably won't be able to finish that isn't good for me and makes me feel kind of sick when I'm done. Ha! The Fast and Furious franchise was a porterhouse contadina? Nice try, Theo, but don't waste your time. These kinds of quips require a finesse and a depth you don't have yet. So you're really not an ignorant, unprincipled Philistine after all. No, I just play one in real life. I have this habit of wanting things, and then once I get them... Well, if if I get them. I don't want you to think I always get what I want. I don't. But if I get them, it always turns out that I can't enjoy it. Because it leads me to greater aspirations and more pressure. And I don't, I don't think I'm self-destructive. I just, I think I'm more of a self-sabotager. I am the exact opposite of my brother, the golden child. How did we come from the same genes? I mean, everything works out for Milo. Everyone loves him. He isn't anything at all like the awkward nerd that his intellect should have doomed him to be. And he has tons of friends. And he always, always has a beautiful girlfriend. And he's even athletic. I think that's the thing that kills me most of all. Because it's bad enough that my little brother gets more action with girls than I do, that he got straight A's without ever cracking a book and I had to study, but he can also shoot hoops and, like, throw a perfectly aimed frisbee and go for a six-mile run without getting winded. I break a sweat trying to get a new toothbrush out of its packaging. And I'm not joking, either. And don't get me wrong, I love Milo. I couldn't be prouder of him. It's just... I also made a second promise to my mom before she died, and that was to make sure Milo graduated college. I didn't understand why she seemed so worried about him. I mean, I knew he was her baby and all that, but as for college and his 
bright, shiny future, to me, that just, that seemed preordained in the womb. And then when I made that promise, I meant it, but I also kind of resented it because I knew there wasn't going to be anyone taking care of me once my mom was gone. This feeling had been weighing on me a lot lately as the pressure of the show mounted. Because mom would have been the one person I could have talked to who would have cared as much as I do and given me her undivided attention along with some cheesy broccoli casserole. Not long after my parents got divorced, um, when my mom was going through a rough time, I told her once how much Milo and I appreciated how she was always putting her needs aside and tending to ours, and then she... (laughs) She smiled and rolled her eyes at me and told me to take her down off the pedestal. A mother's love has its own selfish motives, she explained, because a mother can't be happy unless her child is happy. I understood what her words meant, but not the emotion behind it until now. I think I'm beginning to feel maternal about our six writers. I can't be happy unless they're happy. And keeping them happy, is that's not always easy. I joined them for our weekly meeting at the writer's house, hoping my good news would smooth the latest ruffled feathers. Hey, hi, all you amazing, incredible, fascinating writers. Hey, Theo. Come on in. Hey, Brandy, where is everyone? Uh, Bill's taking a walk, but should be back any minute. Echo's upstairs writing. Carver and Ace are in the den, and Tracy's in the kitchen. She spends a lot of time in there. Uh, yeah, so she's still doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, would you mind going in and getting her and Echo? I'll go get the guys. So what you're saying is that even though it's a good piece of writing, it has no place in the flow of his narrative. Exactly. The art of novel writing is the art of telling a compelling story. It's not just about being a good writer. If I'd have been Hardy's editor, I would have told him that this passage is wonderfully written, but it slows down the story and distracts the reader. Like that Proust guy you got me reading. Talk about slowing down the story. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you two. So what's going on? The professor was helping me with my metaphoraging for this week's episode. We're just talking books now. Metaphoraging? It's the term Ace has given to digging for metaphors. That's great. Sorry to interrupt, but can you join us in the living room? You know, I read this book in three months. Twelve ways to All right, you guys, you know the drill. Listen up. I am here to answer questions about this week's episode and to address any concerns you have about anything. I also have some great news. We have a concern we'd like to discuss. The social media is brutal. The things people write about us, it's, it's horrifying. Granted, there are good things as well, but really, Bill should beat the crap out of Carver next time he opens his prissy mouth. What about Bill's obviously an actor right out of central casting and a bad actor to boot? What's that supposed to mean? I'm not even a convincing me? Yeah, I've been called a bitch before, but never a super galactically colossal bitch. At least not in English. I thought I'd be pretty good at ignoring that stuff, but I'm getting tired of being told I need to lose the attitude and tone down the sarcasm. You are a little too sarcastic sometimes, Echo. Oh, thanks so much for your opinion, because I absolutely really care about it. Man, I treat my haters like Justin Bieber's songs. I just don't listen to them. Easy for you to say, Ace. You've been treated pretty well by social media. When you wore that Alliteration Nation t-shirt last week, thousands of people wanted one. (laughs) 
Yeah, that reminds me. I need a vendor. Brandy, you've been terribly mistreated. We're bound to have favorites. I consider myself a thick-skinned person, but the references to my size and my clothes are beginning to get to me. See, I don't understand what that's about. Like, I love your size and your clothes. Nobody puts a combination together like the homie Brandy. If she was on the Jersey Shore, that would be her name, the combination. Whenever she walk into a room, everybody be like, hey, yo, we got a combination happening. <laughs> <laughs> we got We're doing our own combination, which I would like to talk about. Under normal circumstances, I'd be the first person to defend your style um, and your right to uh, reveal it to the public, but it is a problem for TV. I'm just one of those patterns. That is actually yeah, a complaint that's why that we've she got. wears like five different ones so they, like, they cancel each other out or something. Thereby avoiding the fashion seizure. Fashion seizure. <laughs> I like that. Yo, can I use that for my novel? You guys, Be my guest. Really? Okay, I don't know what to tell you in regards to this. It's the world we live in now and you just have to find a way to ignore it and concentrate on the positive comments. And in case you forgot, there are lots of those. Let's move on. I thought last week's show went very well. Um, Richard Duke said he didn't know if my novel was crime suspense or horror or a cry for help. At least you took the criticism like a lady. I did. Brandy almost got in a brawl with Dora Halston. I got offended <laughs> when she said my main character needed to be sexed up and told me I need to pay more attention to her hair. I'm not even sure what that means. Well, the judges are... Although, after I got over my hurt feelings and I thought about it, she made a good point. My novel might sell better if it was more of a love story. No. Maybe I do go on too much about Shaylin's feminist woes and struggle to find herself. Maybe she does need to use more conditioner. No, Shaylin's struggle is what your novel is about. It would make a great movie. I see Christian Bale as her love interest, maybe? And uh, I can see Anne-Margaret as the mother. Shaylin's mother is dead in the book. So is Anne Margaret. Yeah. You can okay, easily you guys... change the mother situation. You can make her alive and kill someone else. Please don't Not comment on each other's. Not everyone can kill off characters as easily as you can. I Tracy. don't know about that. You've killed a bird, a rat, an old Labrador with cancer, and at least um, half a dozen chipmunks in your novel so far. Man, that was rough. I liked them chipmunks. They were funny. Yeah, they were. You guys, can we please focus? I'm, I'm thinking about cutting out the Bronx from my book. Oh, what? what? No, 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 no. Ace, Ace, don't let... Your book is set in the Bronx. Only part of it. The other part's in L.A. No, the Bronx is the best part. It's what you know. It's what you care about. Nobody wants to film in the hood. <sighs> okay, again, as usual, the meeting is dissolved into, I don't know, whatever this is. So, I guess there aren't any problems or questions that you need to address? No? Do what you usually do and then dump them all on me right before we're about to shoot the judges panel. And by the way, part of the exciting news is from now on, the judges panel will be in front of a live audience. I had a meeting last night with our L.A. producer and the whole show is a hit and he wants two more seasons. In the meantime, he had a few suggestions for ways to amp up the show and this was one of them. Great. Now people can yell to my face that I'm fat. Yeah, we can't have. No, we have can and we will. I have to go. I'm going to miss my train. I can't be late for work again. I'll get my keys. It's my turn to drive you to the station. Echo, could I talk to you for a moment before you leave? Uh, okay. Sure. Tracy and Echo having a conversation. I could not imagine what they would have to say to each other. And even though I know it's wrong to eavesdrop, I just, I couldn't help myself. Echo, this is for you. What is it? A check? I don't understand. I'm hoping this will enable you to stay here for the remainder of the show. 
You shouldn't have to be running back and forth into the city. I can't take your money. I realize you'll have to quit your job, so I factored in more rent, so you'll have time to find a new job after the show's over without stressing about money. No way! I can't take it! I knew you were going to say that, so I've prepared my response. No, Tracy, I have to go. Please hear me out. The day before Theo and Clive came to my house to tell me I was going to be on the show, I bought a $9,000 set of Shastra steak knives. I've heard of them. My point is that I constantly throw away large sums of money on stupid, useless things. And for once, I'd like to spend a large sum of money on something important. You are a wonderful writer. So are you. No, no. I'm a good writer. And that's fine. Do you, do you know why I write? No, no, no. I have played so many roles in life. Lonely little rich girl, bitchy little rich girl, sex goddess, sex diversion when the golf game gets rained out, mother, daughter, good Samaritan, selfish backstabbing monster. (laughs) The only time I get to be me, like the real me, is when I'm writing. I am not the real deal. You are the real deal. And I'd like to invest in that in your future, instead of buying more obscenely overpriced cutlery. So, this is kind of like a game show. Over here behind door number one, we have Echo's future, and over here behind the curtain, we have a lovely set of steak knives. And in game shows, the steak knives are always the consolation prize. Please think about it. I learned my lesson about eavesdropping. What I heard between Tracy and Echo had been incredibly personal. That night when I met both of them at the taping of the judges panel, I I couldn't look them in the eye. You'd think I had seen them naked or something. Which I I mean, (laughs) I suppose in an emotional sense I had. And I wanted to tell Echo, just take the money! And I wanted to yell at Tracy, oh my gosh, this is great. You're human after all. But I couldn't. I couldn't do either. The addition of the live audience was like... Like putting hot sauce on scrambled eggs. It completely changed the show into something totally different. And whether you liked it better before or after was a matter of personal taste. Because there was no denying, it made the show more entertaining, and the audience was completely supportive. I mean, not a hater among them. They, they cheered and laughed in all the right places, and each writer had his or her own faction of fans. No one was left out. That was great. But the logistics of making it happen was another story. The whole episode was just one big blur to me. Problems kept surfacing one after another, and by the time the show wrapped, I thought I had been through the worst of it. I was wrong. Hey, Theo, I need to talk to you. Okay. Not here. Someplace private. Fine, all right, let's go into the sound booth. How can I help? I'm quitting the show. What? I... I'm, what, 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 sorry, what do you mean? 
Is this is this because of the negative social media stuff? Because you got to know that that's that's just like no, bleh. no, that has nothing to do with it. I'm a tough cookie, Theo. It's just I've realized I don't want to go through this again. What are you talking about? I've put this part of my life behind me. I truly am content with my life as it is now. It took me a long time to get there, and it may not be a life that many people would aspire to, but it's mine, and I treasure it. I miss my job. I miss my friends. I miss my town. I miss my dad. I miss... me. Brandy, your novel is wonderful. You could win. And I could also lose. And you know what bothers me the most? It's that we're even having this conversation. That we're thinking this way about writing. Remember, I told you I felt kind of guilty about wanting to get paid for doing it. Well, I really feel guilty about treating it like a sport. No, that's just, it's a device. It's a gimmick. It's, it's a way of delivering a bigger message. It doesn't mean... Theo, are you familiar with the Cyril Connolly quote, Is it better to write for yourself and have no public than to write for the public and have no self? You can have both. My mother did. And your mother was obviously a very special lady. I've made up my mind. I'm going home. I don't want to fall in love again. Theo, ah, there you are. We've got a problem. Not now. I will be there in a minute. Hey. I said not now! What the F? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I thought you were somebody else. I guess I should be grateful. You think I'm anyone at all. What is that supposed to mean? I've been here all night. You haven't said a single word to me. Well, in case you didn't notice, I was busy putting on a TV show. Yeah, I noticed. In case you didn't notice, I'm busy too. I know, you're busy, but how busy can you really be right now? You're like a couple weeks from graduating and you're a straight-A student. I'm not a straight-A student anymore. I got a B fall semester last year in my Gen Chem lab, not intensive to energetics, intensive structure. Oh, well, might as well quit now and get a job at Taco Bell. One B. There goes your shot at MIT grad school. Are you making fun of me? You can't even begin to comprehend how hard I work to get those grades. I spend as much time doing my homework as most people spend at their full-time jobs. And then I have jobs on top of that. All the tutoring I do, working as a TA. I had 12 hours of lab this week alone, and I still managed to come to your stupid show. Well, it's about time you came to see my stupid show. Uh, sorry, Theo, but we really need you. I will be right there. No, you can go. You don't have to give me any obligatory, fake brotherly concern. Dude, aren't you even going to tell me what you think of my show? I can't believe how selfish you are. What are you talking about? I got into MIT. I found out this morning. The professor I wanted in the lab I wanted a full ride with $60,000 a year stipend. Milo, are you... That's fantastic. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, you think it's fantastic? I called you the minute I opened the letter. I texted you 20 times today. Nothing. Not a single word from you. Well, I'm sorry. I've been a little busy. Don't tell me how busy you are. I'm drowning. (laughs) Can't you see I'm drowning? Hey, 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 look at me. Calm down, man. I know you need to... 
I can't do it. I don't want to do it. You don't care. Nobody cares. Why should I do it? Milo, hey, we care. Why does Please. anybody do anything in life if they don't have a mom to see them do Milo, it? Milo, Milo, bud, I know it's hard no, sometimes. No, don't worry about but me. You... Go take care of your precious show. I didn't realize when mom made me promise to see Milo through college she was sharing knowledge of her other son that I, I would have never had the insight to possess. And now that I knew better, I didn't know how to fix him. Or uh, even if he could be fixed. For Milo, our mother had been Atticus Finch at the end of To Kill a Mockingbird, keeping a vigil in the bedroom of his broken, battered, unconscious son. He would be there all night, and he would be there when Jem waked up in the morning. When Milo lost Mom, he lost his invulnerability. For a complete list of cast and crew, and a free download of our theme song, Between the Lines, Visit our website, rewritespodcast.com.